Alright, no, I'm still here. I'm still here. Okay, hey guys, welcome to the Big Blue United Podcast. My name is TJ. I'm here with Dan and Colin, as always. What's going on, Dan, this evening? Since you guys can never decide who gets to talk first. Uh, I, 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 I'm speechless, man. My, my entire platform is gone. So, um, you know. <laughs> Got nothing left. <laughs> I'm just going to pretend I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> and Colin, what's going on with you, dude? Um, it, it was, uh, it was a surreal weekend, I feel like. It was the strangest win that I've, uh, watched the Giants play in a very long time. And I, and I'll, I'll get into why I think that is later on. But yeah, I, I feel good. I mean, it, it's, it's cool. It's confusing, but it's cool. I'm happy. Well, I'm really glad you're going to get into talking about the Giants on our Giants podcast, which is brought to you by the Pigskin Podcast Network, which you can follow at TPPN on Twitter. Uh, I also have one more new sponsor this week, and that is Historic Teddy's Bar and Grill, located at 96 Barry Street in Brooklyn, New York. Teddy's Bar and Grill, do you like drinking? Come on down to Historic Teddy's Bar and Grill. <laughs> Mention the Big Blue United podcast for one free shot of room temperature well vodka. Teddy's Bar and Grill, 96 Berry Street, Brooklyn, New York. All right. <laughs> so should we not talk about that at all? Should we just move on? I just no, we're doing the to, whole history of the bar now. I, just I want to know how to historic like, it is. I to like drop that since I never do, and I wanted to be stupid about it. So there we go. I have another thing i got to mention. Uh, the Pigskin Podcast Network is having another uh, giveaway. Uh, enter it right now to win a $100 NFL Shop gift card. All you got to do is follow Pigskin Podnet on Twitter. I'm sorry, I, I butchered their Twitter handle. It's at Pigskin Podnet. Retweet the post, tag two friends. This is presented by DraftKings, and again, it's a $100 NFL shop giveaway card, so buy whatever you want. Get yourself a uh, Wayne Gallman throwback jersey or um, a Dave Gettleman t-shirt, whatever you guys want, whatever's available. Um, today, we, today we have a special guest joining us. We have Will from the Giants Twitterverse. He is at 27, which is T-W-E-N-T-E-E-7. Um, he's, he's been an ally in, in, in helping us to let Giants fans see the reality surrounding this team for the past many years. Um, Will, what's going on tonight? How you doing, man? Gentlemen, can't, uh, can't be much happier to be here. Love talking about the Giants, and uh, you know it's a treat to talk with all of you. And it's a pleasure to have you. So the other day, Will had the idea to start a conversation last week on Twitter with some Giants fan that turned into more than 3,000 people, including Carl Banks and Lawrence Tynes. Will, you want to just uh, tell us a little bit more about that and the future of doing that? Well, yeah, I know we got over one about 1,000 at our peak. Oh, I'm sorry, Maybe we got me. about 3,000 altogether uh, chiming in. But, um, yeah, you know, I've been on Giants Twitter for about 12 years, and as it's, uh, you know, built, uh, gotten bigger over the last couple of years, I've got made a lot of fairly close friends and uh some of my friends who see eye to eye um with with me um who have gotten a little bit of grief from fans who want to be more optimistic than we have let ourselves be we're ready to just we we had a lot of thoughts we didn't really feel like we wanted to write them all out we just wanted to have a no holds barred honest conversation about it um twitter spaces seemed like a good medium to do that and we figured hey we can talk for half an hour maybe 12 people will join and uh it really shattered any expectations we could have had. Like you said, we had over a thousand people join. Carl Banks and Lawrence Tynes were in the audience for about two hours each, saying very positive things. And it really felt like um, it united the sentiment of Giants Twitter more than I've really seen in years. Um, and uh, you know, I was really pleased with that. Um, so happy with uh, all the fans who came in asking questions, contributing. Um, you know, it's part of what makes the Giants fan base so great. It's incredible. It seems like you picked just the perfect time to do the boiling point and just, just it must have resonated with everyone because 
I don't know. We, we've been watching this team so closely for so long, and it's, it's been painful. And sort of to articulate all, like, the ins and outs and everything um, that, that sort of contributed to where the team was at, especially last week, um, you know, we always like to point at, at the draft picks and the team, the team building of it. Um, but even the way that a lot of the, the, the free agents p- panned out and how they're playing and sort of the directionlessness that we feel at the time and still a little bit today, we'll get into it later, but um, I, think, I think you really tapped into something there and sort of just letting people vent without uh, having any pretense of, you know, you know support the team. Like, <laughs> you got to let loose once in a while. And I think, you know, one thing that made it so special is the the um, the audience was so diverse. And, you know, it's not just, um, you know, I'm not talking just demographically. I'm talking about how people see the team, where people live. You know, it, it was really a, a melting pot of really all that we had to offer. And I felt like we got, you know, it was the whole was a lot stronger than the sum of its parts. Without a doubt. That sounds Giants awesome. therapy. Definitely check that out next time you do it. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Um, let's just jump in. It won't in. be the last time. Yeah, cool, man. Cool, cool. So definitely, remember, guys, please follow Will on uh, at 27TWNTE7 if you want to check that out in the near future. Uh, let's just jump in. Giants won a game. Who's excited? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it wasn't just winning. It was sort of convincingly winning, I would say. Would, would, would you agree with that, Will, to a degree? Well, you know, as as convincing as a uh, you know a win that was very fairly substantially helped by a, a victory and a celebration of a victory of the coin toss in overtime um, can be. Um, you know, sure. it's um, you know one thing that I mentioned t- talking to somebody recently was it reminded me of 2015 after we lost to the Saints 52-49 on that last second kick, thinking like. You know, I don't think they outplayed us. I think they just had that one extra possession that we had. And you know what? This time it was our turn, and it really felt like the Giants were due. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, if I just want to jump in, I think what we've been harping on the most all three weeks of the season and now into the fourth week it has been kind of Jason Garrett and the offensive play calling. For me, like, you can't really get down on him. I mean, all the things we were saying that we wanted to see from Garrett – he sort of kind of did. I mean, it's definitely the best game he played. He called so far. Uh, I mean, stretching the field, letting Jones loose, running the ball, getting Saquon involved in the passing game. I don't know, man. I, I, I would love to sit here and just say, you know, he gave Evan Ingram a sweet play instead of like Darius Tony or John Ross and hate on him for that. But you can't really do that. Colin, what was your thoughts on Garrett this week? And, and are you happy with the play calling? Uh, yeah. And the most frustrating part about it, is the only reason that it ended up that way is he he obviously heard the noise and he was down a whole bunch of skill players. So he had to do what he had to do. And I, it makes me almost like him less to see someone like Kadarius <laughs> Tony succeed that that greatly and look that insanely quick and and you know all those cut jumps and everything he was doing. It was in, it was incredible. It was like a shot in the arm of this offense. And it's like let's make sure that he's ready first, guys. Yeah, it, it was it was, you know, it seems like he has to be forced into corner to get him to, to, to the spot where I feel like public sentiment thinks he should go. Yeah. I mean, that being said, he he had a game plan that almost let us like realize a lot of the potential we saw on the team before the season, uh, like taking advantage of your first round pick or throwing the ball laterally down the field, uh, taking shots at John Ross. Like first, I thought he fumbled in the end zone, which would have been hilarious. But uh you know th- that that shot deep downfield was awesome to see the offense open up, um, and Saquon looked 
closer to old Saquon than he's ever been um, working down the field and stop jitterbugging behind the line of scrimmage, uh, being elusive again, you know, getting some extra yards on, on, on runs that were shut down at the line of scrimmage. Um, and I think that brings us to like the big thing, the thing that we've always hyped uh, all season, how bad the offensive line was and, and how much better they looked, you know, game after game. And particularly this game, they looked great. They shut down a good defense. Yeah, absolutely. It was pretty insane to see the push they were getting, especially on the goal line for uh, the the two point conversion. Danny ran. It was just like bulldozing, ready to go. It's awesome. Wait, where do you come down on on the Andrew Thomas stuff? Uh, were you? He's good. He's good. In out. Where are you? Where are you now? So I tend to, you know, I tend to try to focus on opinions where I feel like I'm qualified to have a, you know, opinion that, you know the average fan won't necessarily have. And in comparing Andrew Thomas to Tristan Wirfs and Wills and, uh, and Becton and all those tackles from last year, I never really felt like, you know, it's obviously so difficult to, tr- uh, to transition from college to the pros and the best scouts in the world get it wrong. Like I remember, was it the Eli draft when Robert Gallery went number two overall and really amounted to nothing. He was one of the top tackle prospects that I remember ever, ever seeing. So I won't, I don't. Um, I know a lot of people piled on the Giants for taking Thomas when there were other tackles that got off to a faster start, and and that some people had as higher ranks. But I've never been. I've never really felt like you know, you know. I've always understood that a tackle has more than as more of a learning curve than say a running back or um, you know a kicker or something like that. So I've been. I haven't. I, I, I've been hesitant to to fully uh, you know jump onto a take for that. But I think that you know this is what we've wanted to see from Andrew Thomas. I mean, in in I, I, there's no, there's no real simpler way to say it. He started next to four different left guards here for four weeks, and he hasn't let up a sack. Yeah. And he's dominated really every matchup he's had, and including against Cam Jordan, who's one of the better ed, edge rushers in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I remember him coming out of college. I think you know one of the things he was touted for was being the most pro-ready guy out of those top four tackles, and I think that's kind of why he went first. And man, I was down on this guy more than probably anybody. And this, I mean, we've all been down on this offensive line. But man, I've been so happy with his play. And I really think we need to give credit to Robert Sale too, in general, because I mean, a lot of these guys are coming in off the scrap heap, and they're putting together like good time for Jones to throw the ball. Jones had a lot of time to throw the yeah. ball in some of these plays. And like you said, the def- the Saints' defense isn't like you know a bunch of scrubs. They have a lot of good players in that front seven. Um, it's interesting that we're here talking about how good the offensive line is after this was like what everybody was talking about in the off, off season. And, and it, and it goes both ways. They have pass protection and run blocking. And I think like the last play of the game with the Saquon touchdown, even though he really had a good jump cut, but like that was the culmination for me. It's like they gave him a great hole on the right side and he had the confidence to make that jump cut and run right through. And I was like, this giants offense maybe has something going. Do you guys believe in the giants offense? I mean, Obviously, we need to see more consistency. This has not been, you know, a, a week-to-week thing. We're going to need to see a little bit more. But, like, Dan, are you more confident going into next week, and do you think this is something they're going to be building upon? Uh, you, you hope so, but I'm, I'm mentally prepared for a total regression. I feel like, you know, it, 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 was, a, it was great to get the W yesterday and, and see them play as they did, but my faith in in the coaching staff and and the plan uh to you know keep doing the stuff that works um isn't isn't strong i i feel like 
then you know a lot of times in at least prior games when when plays would work um they wouldn't really go back to them they wouldn't keep hammering they'd go back to try to force you know the old jet sweep or you know i don't know a screen or a bubble screen to evan ingram or something like that um so if, if they can like you know i think this is again where, where joe judge and his like dominion and his control over the team really comes in if he can identify what really worked in this game and uh, highlight it in future games. I, you know, I'll be confident to see them grow. I think I think that there's a huge possibility that they will, um, but I just don't want them to like, go back and to feel like you know the safe spots where they're comfortable. Once you know some players come back, if Slayton comes back and Shepard comes back, um, and and they're you know up against maybe a different kind of defense, are they going to go back to trying to establish the run on first and second downs every time? Um, but that, that being said, you know, it was great to see the dynamic plays, the guys, the ball being thrown. Colin said before, Kadarius Tony was, like, I think everything everyone's hoping from him, you know, I'd still argue probably shouldn't take him in the first round, but he was fun as hell. And uh, that's what all we really want is, is to have fun watching them play. So I'm hopeful. Yeah, that third and 18 was like the most entertaining play I've seen in quite some time. But I'm sorry, Colin, go ahead. Uh, it actually, it just jumped into my head right now. I don't know why I didn't think of it before. Um, what was it? Um... So Mark Jackson with Phil Sims in that playoff game, I think against the, the the Vikings, where it was an insane like third and eleven, and it was like this hopping and and juking, an incredible play. It actually reminded me of that, like kind of a diminutive uh, wide receiver just like doing everything that you need to do to get that first down. It was wild. Um, however, there's a, a a and this happens with with such a recently really bad team that you have to follow and especially with the the gm that we have if, if we're gonna dive right into it right now um i have a hard time enjoying wins like this with the looming feeling of anything that shows dave gettleman in a positive light hurts me so much that i don't know what to do i like the win but then i i feel him creeping and i just get scared well, well, what do you think about Gettleman, like in what Colin's saying right now? So I'm, I'm talking to you, gentlemen, right now on my iPad. Um, my iPad is engraved with a caption that says "Fire Dave Gettleman." <laughs> running backs don't matter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so maybe I'll change devices or whatever to get that to uh, you know make an appearance. But I completely agree with what Colin said. I think. Um, you know, I, you know, I want to go back an extra week right now um, to talk about the Falcons game for a second and specifically the halftime ceremony and when John Mara um, retired Eli Manning's number and he got booed in the process. And I think the world of the Maras and I consider myself insanely loyal to the Maras, but I participated in booing John Mara. And the reason I did that was because deep down, like Colin kind of just said himself, is I feel like John Mara is more looking to for vindication and to validate what we all can acknowledge has been a clearly broken process that's frankly turned the Giants into an embarrassment. I mean, Dave Gettleman is an embarrassment, not just a bad GM. He is a, an embarrassment, and it's not just in his moves. It's in the lack of character he's shown in making these moves. Um, so, I, so I'll agree with you. I mean, I think um, this was the first time really since 2020 at least – that Saquon Barkley has looked like an even above average running back, you know, not, not let alone looking like a superstar. And it scares me to think this is the one game we've had in a long time that's actually increased Barkley's trade value. And you know they're not even thinking about that in the front office. Absolutely and that, 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 that bothers me to the same respect. And, you know, we can talk about 
Um, you know, would we? Would, I think we'd all agree that we'd love to see the Giants put their best foot forward, but also have an objective person in charge who's willing to do the right things for the team. And I completely hear what Colin's saying in that some wins can be dangerous. Like the Seattle win last year probably stopped some things from changing that could have done a lot more for the team in the long run. Uh. Man. That's a lot of good points for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all uh, like a little bit higher right now than maybe we we will be in a couple days, just because it's been so long since we've seen anything even slightly convincing out of this team. I mean, let's let's uh, talk about Jones because obviously he had like the best game of his career. Um, quick stats: seventy percent passes, four hundred two yards, two TDs and INT officially. But I mean, if you want to add that John Ross touchdown in, which I guess he could, it's three touchdowns. That interception was BS, just a hail mary thrown or half. So. I think, you know, this is like he's shown us the engraving of the iPad. It's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm buying an iPad soon. I'm going to have to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I think we've all derided Jones for a while. I think he put two good games together. I think he was derided mostly for all the turnovers the past few years. He's had two interceptions, which I think neither of them were, I mean, his fault. You could say his fault, whatever. Um, if he to me, does this more consistently, I will gladly get on this podcast and say I was wrong about him. Um, Will, what have your overall thoughts been about Jones since he was drafted? And I guess have your feelings changed since then? I mean, I'm pretty sure you were down on him like we all were for a while. So uh, um, my opinion after the 2018 season was the general manager of the New York Giants does not appreciate value and does not even care about value. And when a quarterback who it seemed like very few people ranked as a top six pick, also feeling like the Giants had a few, one fewer first round pick than they really should because of not trading down in 2018 um, and seeing Josh Allen, who is one of the top prospects. And I'm you know, a guy who grew up, you know, I, I know you guys just re- mentioned the 93 uh, uh, playoff game. So I think you might have me. Uh, Beat by a few years. Wait, can I interrupt? I, you mean you mean Josh Allen, the defensive player that's picked pick by the Jaguars? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the the, the edge rusher, Josh Allen. Yeah. yeah. But I grew up. I grew up watching Giants teams that could walk, rush the passer, and it's clear from watching this team right now that we really need that. Um, and so I thought, you know, seeing seeing what I knew about Josh Allen, I hadn't watched much of Jones. I'd seen a little bit of Duke. He hadn't jumped out at me, but I also didn't think like, okay, if a quarterback at Duke's not putting up a quarterback at Ohio State numbers, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with the quarterback at Duke. So. I was against the pick because I had zero faith in the organization. I had zero faith in the the person making the pick. That said, I showed up to his first preseason game against the Jets. And if you remember, he got his, he he went on the field. He led the team down. He didn't have a single uh, incompletion. The Giants scored and then immediately went to a thunder delay. And I was over the moon excited about him. I went to the bar at the stadium and then at the table next to me was Daniel Jones's entire family. Oh, man. And I went up oh. to them and I said, I have done the sharpest 180 that I've ever done in my life. And I tried to offer them all, um, you know, around. They were all like, <laughs> no, no, leave us alone. But, you know, I still, you know, I still was happy to see them. And then, um, yeah, I mean, ever ever since then, I've, um, I've been, you know, I, I said on the way home um, to the tune of, you know, Robin's song, Dancing on My Own. I was like, I'm all in on Daniel Jones. <laughs> but um, but I, bas- I basically talked myself into being all in. And I think the beginning of this year and the end of last year, I made myself a little less all in. I think 
I saw the same shortcomings with the offense that you've all mentioned. And a lot of people have said, okay, Garrett's running a bad scheme. And then part of me is like, okay, is Garrett the issue or does Garrett and, you know, judge and the organization not trust Jones? And if that's the case, like, why are we so okay with the status quo? But Jones has shown me so much this year. And I will say, you know, not only do I believe in Daniel Jones, but I will say that I feel like Jones is substantially, substantially farther along in year three than Eli Manning was at this point in his development. Wow. I'm, um, you know, and I, and I think one of the things that, that really makes me say that is Jones's athleticism and his toughness. And I was always, um, I always felt a little left behind that Eli wasn't able to run uh, and he was, you know, a nineties quarterback playing in the, in the two thousands. Um, and I feel like Jones's ability is something the Giants have been missing for years. And obviously we saw that his first game ever, you know, as he ran into the end zone against Tampa, which ended up being the win. God, that is, that is a fascinating point that I would just not have thought about or allowed myself to think about where he's at in comparison to Eli's first three seasons. That is, oh, that's, that's wild. It's going to keep no, you up I, late I tell tonight. the story. I, I got <laughs> I got beer spilled on me in 2007 in the Vikings game when Eli had thrown four picks and three uh, were returned for touchdowns. We were at that game, Colin. We were there. We were at that game. Somebody in the bathroom. You might have been the guy. You were probably able to drink by then. But uh, somebody in the bathroom said, you know, we got to get rid of this guy. I was like, no, I think we should still give him a chance. You know, I'm 18 years old, and he dumps the rest of his beer on my head. And I'm like, okay, like, great, buddy. <laughs> right. but, Oh. thought about that a lot over that playoff run. Yeah, and you know what? Um, I think it was Darren Sharper had three of those interceptions. Oof. Darren Sharper. I remember correctly. He's putting a lot of One people to sleep in his career. The league. Darren oh, Sharper okay. always where he's not joke. supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen up, guys. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a week five offer every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's one point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943. It's a no-brainer. $1 to win $100. Just just do it. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all seasons long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest as well. Just do it. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Let's go. So, what you got to do, download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. That's TPPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's either team. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, anyway, um, if we want to, like, you know, move on from Jones and talk about the defense, I think I think Will brought up a really good point about the pass rush, which is just the, such a glaringly obvious Atrocious. issue for this team. Zero pass rush, zero sacks, zero hits, very little pressure. I think maybe Leonard Williams could have got a sack. There was a holding call on him um, on that Kenny Stills TD that got brought back. Regardless, that doesn't matter at this point. 
I was hoping to see Aziz do a little bit more. He had a bad game. I think Dexter Lawrence had his best game of his uh, of the year. Same with Leonard Williams. I just mentioned had a good game. The secondary, though, was switch cheese again. I don't know. I think it's not necessarily their fault because of how bad this pass rush is. Dan, um, who do you attribute these sort of myths that these defense has been making? A unit that we thought was going to be great. James Bradbury doesn't look good. There's 15 missed tackles in this game. Taysom Hill made them look like foolish. By the way, can yeah. I just talk about this freaking first touchdown run? Because Adoree Jackson just stood there and let him run by him and just gave up on the play. That infuriated me. It's like, how many times do you hear, like, the, you know, the adage is play to the whistle? You know, I was thinking about, you know, Antonio Pierce, like, jumping on the pile at the end of the play. It's like, that's what you kind of needed right there, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, what, what, what's the problem here, Dan? I don't know, man. It's hard to say. Um, obviously, last season we were super excited about the defense and what they're doing, and sort of blamed any shortcomings on the shortcomings of the offense, keeping them on the field too long. Um, you know, this game we had over 400 yard. Uh, Daniel over 40 yards passing, and you know we were we were uh, holding the controlling the ball for a good portion of the game. The defense should have been able to put the clamps down on, you know, <laughs> Jameis Winston, who is is the most roller coaster quarterback in in the league right now. Um, and it, it's hard because, you know, obviously we have a vaunted secondary who looked awful uh, yesterday. Um, Trade Jabril Peppers, man. Ugh. Jabril Peppers is... He can't is, cover. Is, I mean, he wins coin tosses, though. So. <laughs> he, uh, I, I saw a thing where the like they asked all the Giants players who the funniest person on the team was, and I think 99% of them said Jabril Peppers. So he's a locker room guy. He's a... <laughs> He's a big Dave Gettleman guy. He's a locker room guy. Oh. I mean, you got to have a lot of locker room guys. But I don't know. I mean, I'd be lying if I could tell you I could diagnose what's wrong with the defense and what's happening. I think it comes back to, like, that chicken or the egg thing. Is the secondary suffering because we have no pass rush? Or, you know, are, are, are they just hang, out there covering for too long because, um, you know, uh, or is, 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 are we not able to get any pressure because they're getting, you know, completions real easy? Um, I don't know. I just know that. There's a lot of money on the defense, and we seemingly have a great coach, but there, there's something getting lost in the sauce, um, whether that was outperforming last year or, or not being organized this year. I don't know. Yeah, I know we've talked about Patrick Graham's involvement directly, and it's I, I don't flip-flop every single week. I, I think it's it's strategy and scheme one week, and then there, it just seems like the players let him down, and it's hard for me to tell. Uh, I mean, he's clearly a very intelligent man and a very good defensive mind, so like it, I feel like maybe the players are – they think they're better than they are, so maybe they're well, taking know, plays like, off. TJ said it before about about Pierce. Like, there's there's not a lot of fire on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. Maybe they're too composed or, or trying to, you know, not make any mistakes, and they're not flying around there. Like, what like what would Landon Collins do out there, or what would uh, you know Kenny Phillips? Remember K. Phil out there? <laughs> I have a jersey still. People like, I'd like to see someone get popped once in a while. Um, Dan, I feel I like I haven't seen that in a while. A really good point in that they're not swarming to the ball this year like they did last year. And I don't know the reason for that. Will, what are your thoughts on the defense like, and, and what the deficiencies are from this year to last year? So there, there's a lot that I, I've just heard from both, from both of you guys that, um, that I've been, you know, been saying myself. I think um, the expectations for this defensive unit were substantially, substantially too high. And you know, I, I go back to you see a lot on Twitter that people say like, oh, we had like a top 10 ranked defense last year. Oh, it looks like oh Eckler was about to burst a big one. But um, and um, what if, when somebody says you have a top ten ranked defense, what that means is there are only nine or more defenses that allow more points or yards in you. It doesn't necessarily mean that your defense is 
better than the defenses ranked below you. And what people seem to have forgotten is like the San Francisco game week three, we couldn't get off the field. They didn't, you know, they didn't strike quick. So it doesn't, you know, have the same yardage numbers and point numbers that some other teams might have. But when you can't get off the field on fourth downs, you can't say that you have one of the best defenses in the league. And, um, you know, there were a lot of games last year where I felt like the second half of the game, we were just playing against the teams, teams trying to you know, run out the clock. And that doesn't mean we had as good of a defense as a defense that's trying to get a stop in the two minute drill. And so, you know, going back to some of the other points that you made, um, I think it was as Dan who talked about, you know, you don't have an alpha dog. You don't have there's too much, uh, you know, being composed Um, and something that I've said really since the offseason of 2019 is I feel like there's a very fine line that differentiates the ability to to maintain composure with being complacent. And I feel like the Giants, you know, as they saw Odell and Landon start basically getting out of line, have been so far, have been so scared of getting anywhere close to that line that you get a bunch of, you know, more robotic guys who aren't going to be making a stink on the sidelines the way that, you know, some guys with, you know, more um, observable fire in their belly uh, do do observe. So, um, you know, I I think there's a whole lot here. And I don't think that, you know, Graham's necessarily a bad guy. I think um, fans, and I myself am I've been, I'm guilty of this a lot. I certainly did this with Spagnolo, are, are guilty of saying like, oh, this is a good defensive coordinator versus a bad defensive coordinator. You've got 11 guys on the field and you've got, you know, experts, the, the best minds in the world trying trying to beat you. And now the other, the, the other part that you've got to remember is there's a whole year on film that Graham has with these guys. Mm-hmm. So teams have been figuring out ways, oh, that area of the field's open. I think you saw a play... The, um, was it was it this past week? I think uh, the Saints had a big tight end lined all the way out to the wide. Jackson gave him a, uh, a ton of cushion, and they they basically audible. They lined him out uh, wider, and they knew they'd be able to take. And they b- basically picked up eight yards by, by uh, being able to read what the defense was doing pre-snap. I don't feel like that was happening last year, and it just makes it a much more uphill battle to be dominant. Oh well, let me ask you two questions going back to what you said. So one, when you're talking about Odell and the fire on the sidelines, so do you? Do you think that John Merrick kicking over trash cans makes him a hypocrite? And second of all, when you say that quanti- well, how to quantify a defense is maybe not based on the ranking, so would you say the Do- Giants' defense did play well since they did step up when it mattered and made those two huge stops in the fourth quarter? Yeah, the defense had their best game of the year by far um, this past week, and I think that I mean I, I don't think it's you know really hard to debate that. Um, obviously, I'd say the worst game of the year was the uh, the Washington game, and you know. I will answer your question by answering another question and saying Mm -hmm. that I have a really hard time with John Mara, you know, being so um, vocal about too much taunting in the league where he employs a general manager whose signature moment was taunting people who understand math when (laughs) explaining why the Giants couldn't use more draft capital as he added a running back to the team in the win now 2018 season. I mean, there's a little bit of, and I mean, it's not just that. I mean, he called Kim Jones darling when, when she asked a question about the 2019 draft. He made a mockery of the guy asking about window theory this year. He's, he's, you know, this guy taunts people who ask him reasonable questions. So I don't think you can have such a higher expectation for a player who's actually in the moment and actually trying to rip somebody's head off as you're going to have with a 70-year-old uh, general manager who's supposed to be the adult in the room. But... That's an incredible Dan, parallel. You know what, I mean, Dan, Dan, let me ask you something, though. I'm sorry to cut you off, but do you remember that uh, that tweet you sent me about Joe Judge talking about analytics? 
Do you want to finish your yeah. thought and then jump into that real quick? Because that's a funny one to me. I mean, the Joe Judge quote was one thing just to sort of c- compare analytics. Well, what was the comparison again he made? He was like saying that Bill Gates doesn't win football games. Yeah. If XL won you football games, then Bill Gates would be winning a lot of games. He's got a better, yeah, I winning, mean, he's got a better winning percentage than Joe Judge does as an NFL coach, by the way. Yeah. Just, just, uh, I mean, that th- that's not after Sunday. Not after, at, at halftime, you can make that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this whole pie I mean, is ruined. That- that's obviously like like the most flippant thing you can say at one of like the most sensitive subjects that like real fans of the team um <laughs> you know care about um and and i love that you draw the parallel from from john Merritt to gettleman who in my opinion is, is essentially just like an old school bully um and we always talk about his hubris and inability to sort of um you know you, you know self-reflect I, i'm sure he's never done that or, or look at around him and, and see that the, the house is burning down but you know the fact that Joe Judge would say that I think is probably true to the way he approaches the game. Uh, I, I think he's cognizant and smart enough to understand analytics play a huge part. But sort of writing him off in that respect was, you know, you could have played that a little bit better. Um, but I don't think I think it's, it's safe to assume the Giants aren't an analytically driven team. Uh, you know, we see that the field goals that they've been kicking week to week. Um, you know, TJ, do you do you have the uh, the <laughs> the uh, coward index up? Do you, I have are the you coward ready? index stat right here. So surrender index. Or... Yeah, the surrender <laughs> index. So punting call on fourth and eight at the New Orleans forty-seven in the fourth quarter, ninety-seventh percentile in our new favorite stat, which is the coward index. So it's ninety-seventh percentile cowardly play in NFL history since I guess they've been going back to ninety-nine was when they kind of retroactively decided to do this. So again, two weeks in a row where it's flippantly obvious that you should be taking more of a chance, but that's why I'm surprised by some of Garrett's play calling because I thought, you know, it was kind of really out there for this Giants team and Joe Judge yeah. specifically. So they went for it on, on at, before the end of the half, which was nice. That's an improvement from last yeah, week. Yeah, man, they didn't kneel. They didn't kneel, but I only think they didn't kneel because they wanted to run out the clock, but then Saquon ripped that, you know, decently. I think it was like at least 10, 11 yard run. They got a yeah. first down. Yeah, 15, so, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then Jones. Well, you know, it wasn't a first down because they were, because there was a, a penalty yeah. beforehand, but. Yeah, okay. Um, but I think, you know, going. So I think that the surrender index is useful, but I think. You know, Carl Banks made, and I, I've questioned some of Carl Banks's interpretation on analytics, but he made a fairly good point about that um, that fourth down call against Atlanta that was so criticized. In that, guys, we're all in the habit of criticizing Garrett for being unimaginative, so we want to give him credit of being able to come up with a fourth and three call. Like, yeah, you know, that's that 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 that, that it's a very fair you know counterpoint, and I think. Um, yeah. You know, I think the Giants in a shaky offensive line with a running back who we can't really trust for short yardage, high median carries, you know, they're not, you know, it's it's playing to their strengths to allow the defense to um, to win. So, you know, if, if we want to talk about the fourth and one decision where Graham going to ultimately miss the field goal, I'll completely agree with everybody that I want to see the team go for that. But I actually like that fourth and eight punt. I think with that amount of time left, um, you know, you know, you want to let the defense make plays to win the game because you got to also remember it's so much harder to pick up first downs with a fourth quarter lead than in like almost any other situation in the almost any other situation in football. And I know we talked about um, a third and a third and long playoff uh, first down against against the Vikings, 
But if you remember the 97 uh, playoff game, which I actually cited, and I miscited as 93 on my timeline during the game, um, Denny Green punted down nine with about three minutes left. And he got killed for it. And if there were Twitter, he would have gotten killed times like 20. And the Giants went three and out. The Vikings scored. They got an onside kick and they won the game and knocked us out of the playoffs. And uh, what he said after the game is, you know, everyone would have killed him. It's because everyone doesn't really understand how the game's played. And I don't necessarily think that that, you know, I think that's a lot stronger than what I would say about, you know, people who want to go for it on fourth and eight. But um, there is a there is a very, very sound explanation for why he was doing that. So I'm not upset about that. one. Yeah. What, what makes me, I don't know, what just came to mind hearing you say the end of that there is thinking about the ideas. And I was contemplating this earlier today. I, I just drift away from the task at hand week to week, game to game. It, can you envision a scenario, number one, where Jones would stay, Judge or Gettleman goes, and various like changes there, like keeping Judge, getting another GM. I know that's the, the like the heavy conversation that always people people always have about like, oh, the GM likes to uh, to pick the coach and like, I don't know. I, I I don't know. That's another looming thing that, that kind of like hovers over me during all this, and I can't help but like look ahead to it. Have you guys thought about that at all? I mean, last week I would have told. I think we all said you know the season's over. This week I I feel. I know that we often maybe have a little bit of knee-jerk reactions sort of on this pod, but I guess that's sort of like the, with the theme of what we're trying to do here. But now I don't know, man. And I think that if the offense can continue to roll the way they were, and, you know, I think Mill made a lot of good points about the defense that maybe we weren't necessarily thinking about looking, you know, kind of beyond just the scope of this game. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to expect at this point. You know, I, I kind of had a, a lot of thoughts and feelings, especially a lot of feelings about how I – was viewing what this offseason might look like. And, you know, yeah. there's a really good edge rushers and offensive tackles at the top of the draft. And I was like, I think Jones is good. And I think, you know, we should stick with him and regardless of what happens. But I think right now a lot of things are up in the air. And I think we really need to look forward to next week in this Cowboys yeah. game, which is You're a division right. game against a 3-1 and one team. The Giants going eight-point underdogs. I mean, if the momentum of this offense keeps going, the Cowboys defense is ranked 26th. I don't see why, you know, they – couldn't put up points if Jones keeps playing the way he's playing. I, I mean, I think they're going to have a rough time containing Dak and, and you know, what seems like a resurgent Ezekiel Elliott last week. I mean, not that Tony Pollard can't come in and also play really well when he isn't. It's a it's it's a tough thing to predict. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to this game. I think the Giants could win. Um, I think it's going to be a tough battle. Um, Will, what are your thoughts on the next week's game? So, I, I, I there are a couple pieces in that, and I, I want to just touch on what what you yeah, guys are saying ahead. about, um, you know, replacing Judge and Jones and, and the GM altogether. And I think, um, you know, the Giants have been sorely, sorely lacking objectivity. Um, and, you know, I very, very, very strongly do not believe in Dave Gettleman, particularly his commitment to economics. Um, and I very, very strongly would say that I do believe in Joe Judge. I think, you know, the I, I, I'm still in love with his press conference. And I think, you know, when I when I go back to talking about why I believe in Joe Judge, part of it is like, you know, the same way the Giants fans are responding to a win over the Saints. Like, oh, my God, we got a win. When was the last time we got a win? This is amazing. I've never seen anything like this. You know, Dave Gettleman took over and made empty promise after blustering empty, empty promise and really never set any sort of like checkpoints in the plan, you know, develop the plan or anything like that. Judge did all that. Judge said, these are the things we're going to do. 
it's not going to be a, you know, it's not going to be an overnight success. We're going to work on it. We're going to build a foundation. You know, if Joe Judge wants to say after a loss that, you know, he's pl- proud with the progress that he saw on the field, then after a win, if he wants to say, you know, it's not about the result, it's about the progress I saw on the field, that's a guy I can believe in. You know, there's consistency, there's consistency there. So I believe in Joe Judge. That being said, you can't force a new head coach if you're trying to make changes and, 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 and write a clean slate. I don't, there are very few head coaches that I'd rather have right now above judge. That said, if there's somebody that the new GM wants more than judge, you've got to give him that guy. You know, you, you've got to be proactive and, and start from scratch. You know, you mentioned earlier in this podcast, you know, we're talking about the frustrations with Jason Garrett. We could have very easily fired Jason Garrett after last season. Instead, we decided not to do that. We upgraded his weapons and we decided to see how things would look with this upgraded, this upgraded weaponry. Through the first three games, he really didn't have these weapons that were upgraded healthy. You know, Galladay's been half himself for the first few weeks. Tony didn't really know the playbook. Kyle Rudolph is, you know, on the AARP plan. Um, and Evan Ingram <laughs> hasn't, you know, hasn't been playing at all with, with Barkley still recovering. So, you know, I completely understand the point of like, you know, Garrett didn't do his job in 2020. And, you know, we want somebody who can show that he can play in the, in the modern NFL. But if after three weeks we're like, okay, you know, screw our plan of like seeing what what he can do with these other weapons, then you're just being reactive and you're not really giving yourself a position to succeed anywhere. So, um, you know, I th- when it comes to Jones and Judge, I think you've got to let you've got to let the GM make these decisions. I don't know whether or not even Gettleman had the opportunity to make some of those decisions in 2018, and I don't know if John Mara would have considered somebody who would have demanded the uh, opportunity to make those decisions in 2018. I don't think I don't think anybody had a choice to fire Garrett except for John Mara because John Mara wanted to keep him because he played for the Giants and it's rooted in tradition yeah. as is what's supposed to happen. But I mean, you make a lot of good points there. I I feel like if you come in as a GM, you you want to pick at your head coach and you want to build your system and you want to build your team the way you want to build it. I mean, if Gettleman gets fired at the end of the year, you're left with you know potentially two high draft picks or two mid-level draft picks. I mean, that's a lot of firepower to come into. I think the, well, the Giants have 10 draft picks overall next year. Correct Something me like if that. I'm wrong. But, I mean, like I said before, it's just hard to predict what this team is going to do, even though you know they're going to stick with the continuity. But when Schumer and McAdoo were fired, I think that sort of flipped me a little bit on you know them – being so hesitant to like fire a head coach or, or a GM, especially when they fired Reese, who I thought kind of was undeserving as well as Coughlin. Hey, I remember what your page used to be called. <laughs> In Reese, we trust. Absolutely. <laughs> I told you I've been around on Twitter for 12 years. I've seen it all. All right, let's, uh, let's jump back into the Cowboys game. Yeah. Um, Colin, give, give me your thoughts on this Cowboys game, man. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you when you said before that I, I think Dallas' defense is going to uh, let the, what Jonathan Vilma likes to call chunk plays. He probably said it seven times. I really can't stand him anymore. <laughs> I can't listen to him do calling our games. And he, I hey, feel listen, like when, he's – what? When he got pissed about uh, running that end around to Evan Ingram, I was like, all right, he's a little better than I thought. Yeah, that, well, that's fine because he has eyes. That's all right. But, like, I don't know, he says some things that are just questionable. And uh, – yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, we can take it to them uh, on offense, I think. The defense has got to figure something out. Otherwise, it's going to get bad quick. What has happened to us? Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I think you guys are, are, off, are being a little 
all reactive here. I we, we talked about Dan, it but I'm last a reactive week. guy, man. But I mean, you, I'm worried for your for your 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 mental health right now. No, you, I don't you, think we're gonna win. Get, I didn't say that. I said it'll I be know, entertaining. But we're like we're like if our offense plays like they they've been playing, we're 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 in this. Um, I don't know. I I, I think I think obviously we have to. Uh, temper expectations, and I think there should be a discussion on how we're all going to mentally prepare for this. Um, you know, how we're going to ca- uh, couch our expectations a bit. But I, I think that the the Dallas defense isn't as bad as people think. Um, Micah Parsons is is really becoming a, a dynamic force, whether he's playing defensive end or linebacker. Um, Trayvon Diggs is just catching as much passes as a wide receiver. What he's a been incredible. He is, man. Jeez, um, yeah. And. And, you know, with, with how our defense has been playing, I mean, th- this Cowboys offense is for real. So, I mean, I think I think if we're going to be in this game, we're going to have to score a lot of points. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'd be interested to see what you guys think of the game, but but more so just sort of like how – what's your mindset headed into it? Like, how, like what do you want to see out of it? Like, for me, I want to see development of those skill players on offense, uh, more, more Tony, more Galladay, more – you know Saquon getting involved in in interesting ways, um, and and the continued evolution of the offensive line, and then and then maybe we get a pass rush with some <laughs> somehow. I don't know how how to even begin with the defense, nah. but obviously that'd be nice. Yeah, I think no, I think I think a good point to make is that last year I think Garrett's two best game plans all of last year were against the Cowboys because that's what he wanted, and he and he, and they did they did play well decently. I don't remember if they split with them or whatnot, but. That's something to consider too. It's it's always going to be a revenge game for him when you play the Cowboys and you play them twice a year. So, I expect him to step up the game plan. I honestly, do. Dan, are you drinking for net? No, man. Super punch. Uh, What's that? Abruzzo. Ah, it's uh, a stout. No, yeah, no. It's like an after dinner drink. It's it's like uh, it, you can put it on ice cream. It's refreshing, mm, man. Delicious, it's, uh, delicious. No, my throat hurts. Yeah, Will, give us your thoughts here. No, I feel like I, I feel like you'll all appreciate this, but um, you know, my family's been giant season ticket holders forever. I, I have a great uncle who who served in the Navy actually with Wellington Mara, and so he'd been going wow. to the game since the Polo Grounds and never had kids, so so they found their way to to my father and um, and we've continued to go. So, in my section, there is a Cowboys fan who shares tickets with her brother who's known me since I was three and, you know, I'll see her a couple games a year and it's just so much fun going back and forth. I mean, you think I give it to Gettleman, actually I probably give it to Gettleman worse than I give it to her at this point, but, (laughs) but we, you know, it's, it's such a, you know, I think this, this rivalry within my section is really the rivalry that, you know, to me, it's like exactly what the giants Cowboys are all about. Um, I, am very nervous about this Sunday. I think, um, you know, going after the Washington game, I kind of felt like I saw this Dallas game on the schedule and I was like, okay, we beat Atlanta. Maybe New Orleans is tough. You know, we get a divisional win in, you know, in, in Dallas, we're two and three, we're one and one in the division. We're one and one in the division with two road games being played. So we're, you know, we're, we're holding serve any way you want to cut it, but Dallas is a lot better than, they were um you know Dak is playing substantially better you know some people think maybe Jason Garrett leaving has a lot to do with it I you know I I don't think that you know a bad egg leaving necessarily jolts things you know the way that you know we like to think of like what happened when you know Sean Payton lost play calling duties for the Giants but um I just don't 
really know how we're going to be able to get off the field on defense. I think, um, you know, I think, I think our defense has been a little bit of exposed. Um, You know, we don't have the dominant run stopping and we don't have a pass rush, which is, you know, really what Dave Gettleman said he was going to define, you know, define the identity of our defense behind. (laughs) Like how, with what players? (laughs) No. And I think, you know, it's, you know, I think we really, we're really missing Dalvin Tomlinson this year. Um, And, you know, Austin Johnson has looked fine and he looked very good last year, but, I can't help but thinking I'd feel better about the defensive line if we had both BJ Hill and Dalvin Tomlinson instead of instead of having Leonard Williams. And I think, you know, I, I just I don't don't see our defense. I don't you know, I, I want to ask what I guess, you know, I've been rambling for a little bit, but I want to ask you guys, what do you define as the identity of our defense? Because I see like some big names in the secondary, but I don't think there's an identity of this defense. And I think that's like a real alarming flaw um i guess or i mean last year it was to me it was pushed from leonard williams run stopping from tomlinson and dexter lawrence and then you had one lockdown corner in james bradbury and all of those things are either gone or not working the way they were supposed to work so right now that's a really good question what is the identity of this defense what could it potentially be you know if you were to look at the skills we have you know what where could it evolve to in a best case i mean scenario? It, it it's it's one or most likely two decent to good pass rushers away from being that defense. I think that's the one lock. I mean, you get the pass rush there. I mean, we've been lamenting it for years. Our best defenses were, were pass rush first, and then everything else falls into place. I mean, do you think if, like, a Khalil Mack was on this team, like, would that change the entire dynamic? Or I'm not going to say him specifically, but a, a pass rusher of his caliber was on this team. Would that change the whole dynamic of this defense? It might. And part of me thinks it, it will. Because I don't know, if you want to run the man concepts and you don't have a pass rush, I guess they're getting away from that now. But if, if Patrick Graham wants to run man concepts, if you want to run man concepts, you don't have a pass rush, you can't cover man for that long, that amount of time, even if you're the best cornerback in the league. So I think that just yeah, I think that's why. Difficult. I mean, that's why, I think that's a lot of why Jack Rabbit reached his breaking point and, you know, lashed out on Twitter because he'd be in coverage for like, you know, 15 minutes and, <laughs> you know, nobody would be able to get to the quarterback and then fans would be like, oh, God, you know, he's supposed to be our number one cornerback. He stinks. And, you know, and eventually, and eventually he snapped. And, you know, he, you know, if, to, to anyone who's listening, um, Janoris Jenkins, who was our number one cornerback in 2019, um, called a, a Giants fan the R word, um, mm-hmm. R-E-T-A-R-D, a word that I've eliminated from my vocabulary. But um, and um, and the Giants were forced were forced into cutting him. I have to think if the Giants had more of a commitment to maintaining a pass rush, you know, maybe that maybe the building would have had the culture that he wouldn't have felt the need to uh, to, to lash out on, on Twitter about that. So I think um, the other the other piece of that, you know, if we had a Khalil Mack is Graham really prides himself in being able to scheme pass rush. And I think if you have a guy like Khalil Mack on the line, yeah. everybody on the offensive line is, OK, where is 52 or whatever his number is on this play? And then if Peppers wants to blitz or a Dory wants to blitz or someone, you know, some or McKinney or anybody, it's a lot. There's a lot more of an element of surprise versus. All right. You know, there's no way, you know, we've got Dexter Lawrence double covered. All right. Who could possibly hurt us right now? They do bring Peppers a lot, too. But I, I think maybe that's a good thing for him right now because he's not playing great coverage at all. No. Another person. Yeah, I think, you know, he needs to go. Edgar needs to go. But any other thoughts on this game, guys? I think we're uh, we're almost out of time here. 
I mean, I, I, I don't expect to win uh, like I don't usually expect to win. So don't take my words before, Dan, as, as gospel of me changing my tune. That certainly isn't the case. I think it'll be... Uh, they'll build upon last week or yesterday for that matter. Um, and it will look good, but I, I, I don't think it's quite there yet of putting all the pieces together. I think it's going to be a process. We probably might not even see a win for a couple of weeks if it happens, you know? So, Schedule's hard, man. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if for me, if Jones just, you know, keeps progressing, I think that's a really positive for this team. And you know what? I think you said the best thing earlier. It's that... Uh, <laughs> Those wins help Gettleman out, but Jones progressing and losses don't. So for me, I just want to watch entertaining football, and I want to see fun offense. I want to see Tony involved. I think all those things are, are going to be a, a real positive for this team moving forward. Yeah. Whether or not the win is there this week, I don't know. Divisional games are always up in the air for me. We'll see. So I'll, I'll try to say something to maybe, you know, because I'm not feeling the best about this week by itself to maybe give you guys a little bit more optimism, you know, maybe in the big picture. Please. But I feel like the days of Dave Gettleman controlling the direction or lack thereof of the New York Giants are over. And I think, um, you know, I don't even think that that's a this season thing. I think that they decided, I think this season was a let's try to put a bow on a really, really ugly present, which is the last, you know, three and three to four years. And I think they were tempted to fit so much money into the 2021 season to try to give Gettleman, you know, some sort of saving grace on the way out. But you look at the way the off season was handled. You look at the fact that Kevin Abrams was the one who executed the, the, the trade deal. Um, it's, you know, you look at the fact that there was a trade deal after they considered that for the first time last year. And you look at just the embarrassment over the last three and a half years, you've got to see that they're just trying to, you know, cut the losses optically and, and transition to Abrams. And I'll tell you, I'm much, much more concerned with year one of Abrams, which is a new <laughs> clean slate than I would be about year five of Gettleman. So maybe I don't know if I cheered you up as much as I hope to. Just bring back Ernie. Bring back Ernie. Yeah, right. Just throw it back. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying I I feel a little bit better, but yeah, that's the thing. Like like the decision-making process of who to take over, who's going to be the successor is uh, where I I don't have confidence in that either. So that's the bugaboo that I think will keep us all up no matter what. Yeah. But uh, well said, Will. I think think you spoke what we've been trying to articulate for – like 20 some out episodes pretty well um i really appreciate it yeah and i, I agree man I, i've been following you a while for uh, on twitter and i'm liking everything because i'm agreeing with pretty much everything you're saying and, and I'm, I'm glad you came on because i knew it would be a good conversation we appreciate super it super nice to have a fresh perspective for sure and the, uh, it's not even that your perspective is different than ours but you just bring a lot uh more gusto to uh Nuance. your points i think than we do sometimes yeah <laughs> well I, I i will say that i'm probably guilty of waking up in the middle of the night and saying you know what this is a good way to think of what gentleman's gone wrong more than you know most healthy human beings. <laughs> <laughs> best way to end this pod so with that being said guys thank you tonight for listening please follow big blue united on facebook twitter and instagram if you want to reach us directly you can shoot us an email to big blue united podcast at gmail.com Thank you so much to uh, DraftKings for sponsoring us. Teddy's Bar and Grill, Beer and Provisions, 96 Berry Street. Please follow the Pigskin Podnet at TPPN on Twitter. Thank you very much, guys, and have a good night. And thanks again, Will, for joining us. You can follow Will on Twitter at 27TWENTEE7. And keep a lookout for another one of those uh, 
Giants discussions will be hosting in the near future. Thanks again for coming on, bud. Great to be on with you guys. I've been following uh, Big Blue United, like I said, since you guys were in Reese We Trust. And, uh, you know, I've always thought really highly of you and your page and everything. And, you know, it's great to be a part of what you're doing. Thanks a lot, man. Let's have Please a good night, back. everybody. Thank you.